Hello, everyone. It's time again to talk Ann Arbor area prep hoops with your Coach Speak podcast crew, Derek Seidel from Napoleon, Josh Trope from Chelsea, and yours truly, Matt Seidel from Olivet, all head boys basketball coaches at their respective schools. Gentlemen, welcome back to the pod on this beautiful maize and blue morning. Uh, how are things going with you? Going outstanding. Like you mentioned, obviously, last night was great. Um, you know, getting to experience a Big Ten title. I honestly had gotten to the point where I just assumed I was never going to get to experience anything like that with Michigan football. So it was awesome to um, to have that happen. And I'm excited. I, you know, full disclosure, we, we're, we're recording this before the matchups and stuff are announced. I'm assuming it, they'll be playing Georgia, which should be a tough matchup. But I, I'm just excited for them to get the opportunity to play in the playoff. And, you know, there's a heck of a season already and see what else they can do. Yeah, I mean, Michigan looked incredible yesterday. Um, they they had the offensive creativity that, as Michigan fans, you, you've been begging for for years. And and as a, just a fan of the sport, I've always thought was missing under the hardball era. And it was it was awesome to see great D-line performance, defense. Uh, the corners were great on an island. They, I mean, yeah, they're, they're really good. Great run game. And, and the freshman last night with the, the deep touchdown pass. I mean, they just have athletes all over the place. It's, it's nice to see Michigan. It's uh, in the conversation for the first time in, in a decade. It's, it's great for college football. It's just it's great for football in general. And then uh, obviously Alabama and Nick Saban uh, made sure to let everyone know they have not gone away quite yet yesterday as well with their performance. And then I'm happy for Cincinnati. Uh, they 13 and 0 season. They've had a great two year run. They deserve to be in the playoff. So I think it'll be great. I mean, you got the upstart Cincinnati against the, the legend Saban and then a Georgia Michigan matchup. I agree will probably happen. It'll be interesting to see if, if Michigan stays creative and, and opens it up against a, a very tough Georgia defense. Hopefully they don't get conservative because I think that would be their uh, downfall in that game. It was an exciting Saturday all the way around. I mean, we had the, we had the football stuff that went on, and you're right. I, I think I was even calling Bama flawed in football, and they, they didn't look so flawed anymore. So I, I, I take that comment back. But, man, yeah, Michigan basketball looked like uh, looked pretty good at times Saturday. It's been a while since that happened. They, they've been uh, going a little rough. Michigan State, of course, continues to roll for you Spartan fans. And then how about Alabama's big win in Seattle against Gonzaga, Nate Oates and the boys uh, look like they're going to be a, a factor again this year. That that was a that was a big win. No doubt. I mean, to to go all the way to Seattle and win that game is huge. And it, it, I, you just got to love the way. Obviously, I didn't watch a ton of the game, but what I did watch and the highlights and stuff. They just play so fearless, man. Like they just, they don't give a crap about who they're playing, where they're playing. They're, I mean, and it can be their downfall at times because they just are wild at times. But uh, when they get going, like Shackelford hitting all those shots yesterday, man, can it be fun to watch? I did watch most of the game because um, obviously, you know, being a Notre Dame football fan, I, I wasn't that tuned into the Michigan game. Plus, it was just a route from the get-go, basically, with Iowa. So I, I watched the alabama Gonzaga game, and, um, you know, I thought, you know, I, I actually texted with Nate after the game, and I, I was really impressed with their toughness in the second half. And that's one of the things he said, how resilient the guys were. I mean, it was it was a road game. I mean, I know it'll count as a neutral site game, but that was definitely a road game in Seattle. And, you know, when, when Gonzaga cuts it to four, I mean, they, they could have easily folded to that point, but, in, you know, right away turned it right back into a 10-point lead. Guys, just as you said, Derek, making fearless plays, making big shots. Uh, Shackelford hits six threes in the first half, and 
Um, so they're running him off the arc in the second half. So what did he do? He just continued to finish at the rim in the second half. And, you know, the freshman uh, was outstanding um, late in the game playing the point. Yeah, and, and it's amazing. That it felt like everybody was in foul trouble, but they're so deep that it didn't matter. They just went to the next guy on the bench, and, and uh, I was really impressed. And, yeah, they're, they're a team that's going to be making a run at a Final Four for sure, I think. All right, shifting to uh, high school basketball, obviously the three of us, uh, we're going to start our seasons at different times this week, along with every other uh, uh, boys coach in the state of Michigan. Um, interesting time of year. We, we were talking about this before we got on the pod. You know, going into your first game, uh, you don't have a lot of information on your opponent. Sometimes your opponent might be, uh, might have a new coach. So even last year's video or information doesn't work. Uh, maybe you haven't gotten any information from uh, anyone that they uh, scrimmaged or had an exhibition game against. So it's always kind of a weird time um, uh, compared to the information, the amount of information you might have later in the year. What, what are you guys thoughts about going into openers? Are you anxious about it or you sometimes like it? Cause it's like when we play in the summer, you just kind of go out there for the jump ball and you just kind of match up by size, you know, you're looking around and kind of figure things out on the fly. Yeah. I definitely hate going into games that way. Um, I hate not knowing what to expect, not knowing anything about personnel. Again, that's probably the control freak in me and in every coach out there that, that doesn't like that aspect of it. Fortunately for us, we are our, our first opponent, Columbia Central plays two days before. So they'll be their second game when we play them. Um, so I actually will will be able to get film on them this year um, and have the the quick one day prep. So that 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 makes me feel much better. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is tricky. I think that um you just you're anxious because you don't know how your guys are going to react. As as teams settle in and as the year goes on, everyone kind of um, you know, find everyone settles into their role, they know what to expect. It's um, you know, it kind of both teams going into a game can uh, can kind of just it, it know will know what's going to happen, and, and you can really have a, a better feel coming in. I, honestly, like the early season games where you have that 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 anxiousness, the the uncertainty kind of makes it more exciting. Um, I think that's why you see you'll sometimes see a lot more um, surprising results early in the season, just because both teams are um, kind of unsure of what's going on and, and a lot sometimes kids play really well sometimes kids play really poor um uh, there's a lot of variance early in the year which is fun i think it depends on your team uh, you know if you have an experienced team I, I like the fact that uh i like my chances if they don't know anything about us and i don't know anything about them that, that bodes well for us because I, that means we'll be really prepared we're going to do what we do really well and they're going to struggle with that a lot more than we're going to struggle with what they're going to throw at us um now if you have an inexperienced team Oh boy, I, I don't want to play anybody early in the year that I don't know everything that's coming because you're going to really have to hold their hand, um, walk them through everything, especially on the defensive end uh, if you have an inexperienced team. So I think it's more about that. Uh, you, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Tuesday night we're, we're going to Trenton and um, they don't know anything about us and, and we don't really know anything about them. Um, you know, so, well, that's not completely true. We know a little bit about them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, either way, I, I, I like my chances with an experienced group. And, and going back to what Derek said, I do know how my guys are going to play. You know, I, I return everybody but two guys. So I, I know they'll be relaxed and they'll be fine and things like that. But uh, so I think everything Derek brought up is, is spot on. But I think it all changes whether you have an experienced team or not. Before we get into the gist of our, uh, of our uh, topics or podcasts this week, I think we need to touch on a really kind of unfortunate and disheartening uh, 
injury that took place um, in our area. Well, you know, one of, if not the highest profile player in our area, uh, Lexi Bargesser from Grass Lake. Uh, looks like um, she went down with a serious knee injury. I haven't seen details and, you know, I don't need to see details, I guess, but just based on the comments on Twitter, it looks like, uh, looks like she may be lost for uh, all, or at least most of the season. Um, obviously an Indiana commit and one of the, one of the top players in our, in the country, let alone in our state. Um, any, any insight on that? Any, anything that you've heard, uh, through the grapevine or just, uh, I feel bad for her. She's a really neat kid. We had her on the podcast earlier and uh, it's too bad. Well, obviously, you know, I have Joey on my team. So I actually saw Andrea yesterday and I talked to her for a while about it. Um, they don't know yet. I mean, it, it had happened on Friday night. You know, they don't have a, a definitive answer of what's going on. I'm sure they'll have them in the next few days, but she said it did look like possibly a torn ACL um, lots of pain. It, it happened early in the game when she went down. Uh, Lexi explained to the the training staff and the coaches when she was on the floor that she felt, in her words, that her knee popped out and back in. Um, I, I don't, you know, know really what happened, but that was the way she explained it. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's a shame. You don't want to ever see anyone get hurt. Um, if it is an ACL, the only thing I'd say positive about it, it seems like kids recover from those much quicker than they have in the past. I mean, the, back in our day you'd be done for your career type thing. Now they'll be back in six to nine months. Um, and unfortunately, it's very common in the women's game. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Allie Carlson like, out of our coverage area, obviously with East Grand Rapids guard who's committed to Western Michigan is out for the year with an ACL injury. Like she just got hurt in the preseason as well. So two Division One players, girls players in the state of Michigan now, if, if Lexi does end up being out for the year, are out, which which really sucks. And you're right. It does seem to happen more in the girls game, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, obviously she's accomplished so much. Lexi has accomplished so much in her career already, but there was so many things on the table for her this year. I know, like we had mentioned in the preview pod, like I think she was almost certainly if she had stayed healthy, would have broken the the school record for points. She was right in the, in the conversation for Miss Basketball. Um, and all that kind of stuff and another state title on top of that, you know, and going to be right there competing for that. So that just really, really sucks if that's what uh, the diagnosis ends up being, but um, hopefully she's able to bounce back and, and have a really good career at Indiana. Well, how about this too? I mean, let, let's break away from basketball for a minute. She might be a better high school athlete in track, even than she is in basketball. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how many state records does she already have and um, state titles and, and things like that. And, I mean, I would assume that if this is a torn ACL, she's probably going to miss track as well. I mean, I'm just hoping that, I mean, because obviously this isn't an official diagnosis or anything. Hopefully that, you know, maybe this is just a, a, a strain or something like that. And she's able to come back. Yeah, kind of a kind of a sad deal. So, yep. okay, moving on. Hey, we are going to uh, add a little structure to our podcast uh, moving forward. And, and we've been, you know, uh, as we kind of go into our this season and this year's a little different. So we're actually starting on time. Um, you know, we, a lot of times we go over some things that happened the previous week, and then we kind of go over some things that are coming up, but we're actually going to try to put a little structure around it. And um, each of us are going to kind of take a, 
a, uh, a game uh, from the previous week and kind of recap it and break it down a little bit. And then maybe we'll talk about it or so. And then we're also going to kind of each take a game that's coming up, boys or girls, um, that we might want to feature and kind of talk about the matchups and some insight into that. So uh, we're going to start with last week's action. And we obviously had the girls season got underway. Most teams played twice last week. Um, but let, let's get into that. Derek, I'm going to let you go first. Um, you have, uh, I, I think you have a team and some players you wanted to talk about from last week. So why don't you start us off? Yeah, for sure. I, the, the one honorable mention I'll throw out there that I was considering, we, we just mentioned the one side of that game was the, the Western versus Grass Lake game. I don't think we really mentioned the result and that Western did end up winning. Obviously it helped that Bargaster went down. They were winning when she went down was my understanding and, and they played well and, and got a win there. But um yeah, that, that's not the direction I was going to go here, though. Um, I wanted to talk about the Tecumseh girls. They got off to a 2-0 start um, with a 64-34 win over Monroe and a 68-29 win over Manchester. Um, so a good good start to the season for them. Um, I think, you know, we talked about them some and how they, they have a little more depth in their program. They really feel like uh, this is going to be the start of a little bit of a run for them where they could be good. And um, I think that the the future really does look bright. If you look at Allie Zajac's numbers, again, just looking on Twitter, she was getting some love. Um, there's some highlight clips out there and stuff. And, you know, being a, a six foot freshman in the girls game, um, she's she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. She she had 20 points, nine rebounds five assists and I believe three steals according to the Twitter stats against Monroe in her, you know, career first career game on the road. Um, so that's a heck of a first game. And then she, she uh, came back and followed that up with 16 points against Manchester in her, in her first career home game. So that's a heck of a start to a career um, that we you know expect to have um, a lot of big games in throughout but, uh, you know, just watching some of the highlights, too, like she she just does a lot of things. I mean, hitting threes, getting to the rim, rebounding, playing inside and out like she's going to be a really good player. And it's definitely exciting. It looks like she could be another one of those that we're talking about uh, um, playing high level college basketball in, in four years. I'll recap the uh, Chelsea Freeland game. I was only able to watch some of this on live stream, but I was able to talk to the coaches as well. Uh you know, first off, to, to take a trip an hour, over an hour and a half away and then play is tough. You know, um, they were only able to dress 14 girls for the JV and varsity game due to injury and illness. So thank goodness for the fifth quarter rule. Otherwise, it could have been a tough night for the dogs. So um, it was really cool. They dressed uh, several for the fresh or the JV game, and then they dressed all 14 for the varsity game. Layla Wells led the way with 25 points. She played all 32 minutes. Megan McCullough had 15, but most of them were in the second half. She was in early foul trouble, had two quick fouls, which really limited her minutes in the first half. And uh, several kids stepped up and played big minutes in her absence in the first half. Um, you know, they overcame foul trouble pretty much as a, as a team throughout the night. Um, offensively, they really spread Freeland out, were able to take them off the dribble, use their, their athleticism and their young guards, um, you know, you got not only do you have Wells, but Ella Day is also a very special future college guard. And then on top of it, defensively, they really bothered Freeland. Freeland's a ball screen team, and Chelsea trapped all the ball screens that night, led to a lot of runouts. Uh, we call them pick sixes, but e easy layups. And that was really the difference in the game and an eight-point win. Um, you know, Freeland cut it to a one-point game with about four or five minutes left. Uh, and, and in the words of uh, the Chelsea coaches, Layla Wells just took over. And when you got a, a division one player who's got several offers and 
you know, being recruited by many more schools throughout the country, you know, you give them the ball in crunch time and that's what they did. And, and she took over late with six late points to put the game away. Does Chelsea have any size on their team? On their Tons of size. Listen, Chelsea has everything. I mean, they got youth, size, athleticism, shooting. I mean, I mean, they're, they're legit. Yeah. You know, it's kind of it gets, you know, you, you go back to, uh, to, to Cumsey and, uh, and, and Allie Zajac, you know, obviously um, she got a little bit of her mom in her and a little bit of her dad. She's got the size and, and, and strength and ability to score inside. And then her mom was a, was a scorer and a shooter. And, and for a six foot kid to be able to do both is in, in that conference is going to make her a threat. And, you know, just you talk about team is there, we talked about this during the preview, is there a team that can knock off the Chelsea girls in that, in that white division. And if the company always seems to give them a game, at least one yeah. during the year. And I was just kind of curious if, if Chelsea had somebody that would match up with her, but I mean, she's a, she's a ninth grader. She's going to have some peaks and valleys, but uh, she, that was impressive. Uh, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea has a few girls. Uh, one, one, they have the freshman of their own who is just as talented as um, Allie. And that, that's Avery Lay. I mean, and she's just as big and athletic and talented. So yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll have a few girls match up. Hopefully for Allie's sake, she has her mom's toughness uh, instead okay. of her dad's toughness. I mean, so. Oh, I, I'm with you on that. So hey, the game I want to talk about, actually, I got to see it in person because uh, as the Olivet Athletic Director on a Friday night, the the uh, the fighting Tim Canes from uh, uh, Father Gabriel Richard came out to Olivet in the second year of a two year deal. And uh, they put a they put a good win on us, uh, 55 to 21. Uh, they were clearly uh, the better team Friday night. Um, this is a good team. I, you know, I, I'd seen t- Tim's team. Uh, play last year a little bit during their tournament run kind of on the NFHS network, but this was up close and personal and uh, they um, they're, they're very good. I mean, it, I, I was impressed with a lot of kids. Lainey Garbar is just, you know, she's big, strong, skilled, intelligent player and uh, did a really nice job. She does a lot of things for, uh, for his team, very much under control. Um, they got another, like another, uh, Mary Kate McCullough, she's light garbage. Again, she can play inside and out, hits threes, can play uh, down underneath the basket, do some of the tough stuff. Strong girl, a very intelligent player, um, well well coached, but also just disciplined in the way she goes about it. The freshman guard is, is, is as good as advertised. Uh, Charlotte Miller, um, beyond her years, very under control, uh, athletic, and definitely can shoot it. She got a little bit of a side shot, you know, kind of a a lot of girls had that. They kind of started low. She actually brings it off to the side, but it comes off her hand really nice. And uh, you left her open. She was going to make you pay. But um, I, I like his team. I, he, um, they, you know, they mix up some defenses, but they're they're solid. They they're you know they're they're organized and all they do. I heard uh I heard some set calls that uh that uh that you know uh, rang a bell from his days in Dexter and his days with me. And uh, he's got like a hybrid system going on right now, but. They're going to be they're going to be dangerous. I don't know if they're going to make any noise in that tough Catholic league, but this is um this is a good team. I'd be curious how they how they match up with some of the the other good teams in the area as we move on. So I don't know if you saw Coach Kane's uh, Twitter activity after their win. You got you got to love his Twitter activity. He's loving up his girls, which is awesome. My favorite though is he he posts a highlight video, right? So I was like, oh, I'll click this on, and. Like a lot of times when I click four, I like four video, minutes you know, long, I'll, I'll only watch for a little bit. Yeah. So it's four minutes. Right. So I get watched. I'm like, I probably won't watch this whole thing. I'll just check out a few clips and it's like, okay, it's a, a, a steal on defense. All right, cool. And then uh, a steal on defense. All right, cool. And then a steal on defense. I'm like, 
is this four minutes of defensive clips, all steals? So then I had to keep watching. So then I'm going, I'm like, is there ever going to be an offensive clip in here? Would he post four minutes of defensive highlights? And unfortunately, I, I wish it would have been four minutes of defense because that would have just been legendary. But after two minutes, there were offensive clips. I was like, man, I thought he was going to go for the full four-minute defensive highlight clip, which is a rarity. But uh, yeah, anyways, that that, that was uh, I thought that was funny and just adds to, to Kane's list of uh, – of awesome Twitter activity. He's as relaxed as I've ever seen him too. He's looking good. He's lost weight. He's, he's loving the fact that coaches now are going with a casual look. So his untucked look is kind of like what everyone's doing now, opposed to him being kind of different, but, um, but again, he's got a good team. I actually was joking with a couple of his girls before the game. I said, give me some, uh, give me your favorite, you know, coach Kane characteristic. And, some of them said he was funny. Some of them said he was loud, but most of them said he was sarcastic. And, that, and that's the Tim Kane we all know and love. So uh, uh, Twitter or not, but it, it, like I said, it was really good to see him. You know, there's two other kids too. I want to mention Michaela Wearaway, long defender. She, um, she only practiced for like two days. She ended up on Olivet's probably top player, Drew Allen, and did a really good job on her. Um, and this Vivian He and a little scrappy guard who's, uh, I guess, really a, more of a tennis player. But um, she, she kind of brings a lot to their their spunk as well. But again, I having watched him, you get an appreciation for him. But I, I did I did enjoy it. So I look forward to a good season from those guys this year. So anyway, moving on to our next segment would be kind of like our games of the week segment. Uh, we're just going to take a turn uh, with this one as well, kind of break down maybe a little more insight on, on a couple of the games. Josh, we'll let you go first this time. Who, um, who, who, who are you thinking about this week? Gabriel Richard, coached by Rex Stanzak, my old high school coach, and uh, one of the old coaches in the area nowadays, and um, Pinckney. And, and the reason why is Drew Stevens, new young coach at Pinckney, first year there, takes over a good program. Uh, last year, this was a really good game at Pinckney. Pinckney ended up pulling it out. It was, it was a well-played game. Pinckney seniors and their athleticism, their defensive pressure really bothered uh, Gabe Richard. Obviously, Gabe Richard has since had a new point guard transfer in, and, and that should help them against the Pinckney pressure. I think this is a great early season game because these are two teams that are in the same district. They're also in my district, so that's why I, I'm intrigued by the game. I'm interested to see if Pinckney is going to change styles or continue to play the, the pressure man with the very, very, very deliberate offense that they've done in the past under Tom Reason, or if Drew will change things up. So I'm interested to see what, what that looks like. Um, and I'm interested to see how Rex team looked early in the year. You know, they've had a, a, you know, a lot of hype around them. They had a great summer. Rex is obviously a great coach, and they have a lot of returning players, a lot of skilled players, a lot of size um, you know, they, they have had kind of a choppy preseason. They scrimmaged at our place over Thanksgiving break. Um, they did not scrimmage last week due to COVID situations with the team they were supposed to play. So we'll see if they, if they look rusty or if they're sick of practicing against each other, things like that. But I'll also say that it's very, very tough to go to Gabriel Shard and play. And that's where this game's at. So it'll be interesting. They usually get great home crowds by their student section. It's a it's a tiny gym. Um, the locker rooms are embarrassingly bad for your the opponents. Uh, there's not even a bathroom in the locker room. You have to go out and use the bathroom with the general public, which means you also have to walk through the hallways that are wet. Um, needless to say, it's a great home court advantage, and I will never take the Bulldogs there. Have you been there? When 
did you play a game there? My first uh, year at Chelsea, seven years ago, uh, there was a game already scheduled there, so I didn't have a choice. And as I left there, I said, this will never happen again. It has to have beat the old school they had, man, which was in downtown in the old part of the Ann Arbor, you know, the old building, man, that those locker rooms were, were, were great. They were, they were, uh, they were archaic, but they were great. So anyway, yeah, I, I that, that, uh, that could be an interesting, it's gonna, cause you just don't know. You don't know about Pinkney. You don't even know about Richard. I mean, are, are they going to be as good as we think they are? And can that team come together? I mean, we know they're going to be well coached and they've got some, some pieces, but that, that's what's exciting about the first week. You know, usually the good teams, they emerge right away. Like they, they start putting whippings on people, you know, right from the get go. It's not like yeah, they build up. Um, Huron may have been a little bit of a, an exception there last year. I mean, we, we were kind of commenting on their scores were so close and low early in the year, but then they built momentum. But again, that was a COVID year and we're not going to uh, count that as anything. So Derek, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, so I, a few games I was considering, um, I definitely considered the Celine Riverview game. Um, Coach Merrick's first matchup, um, but uh, decided to go in a different direction. I also considered the Arbor Prep versus Huron girls game. Um, Huron's off to a two and zero start after last week, and Arbor Prep has not uh, has not played yet. So that, that that should be an interesting matchup between two two of the Ann Arbor uh, good teams out of, out of Ann Arbor. Um, the game I'm deciding to go with is uh, again kind of over towards my area here, or the event that is. Um, the, the Cascades Glack challenge that we've put together. So again, I thought Josh is over here rolling his eyes, but again, I, I think that this is a really cool idea that, uh, hey, that we've wait got a minute. going wait, this year. Wait a minute. Josh is just upset that there's an event going on that he wasn't invited to. So that, exactly. that's why he's rolling his eyes. But anyway, go ahead, Derek, continue. You're totally right. And, and, and I, I just like, and again, this was kind of inspired by the big 10 ACC challenge and, and all that, um, that idea of having, you know, conferences compete or the Gavit games at the big 10 and the big East do. And I think, well, the, let's, uh, state, let's state, I think the event's awesome. I think it would have been even better if you guys would have, you know, you're right. We'll get into that later. Go <laughs> no, my, my point I'm getting to, getting at with the event is like, I wish more conferences would do this. I wish the SEC would pick a conference and do this and, and play at a college venue. Heck, you could get an even bigger venue where this, this event is going to be played at Olivet College. Um, but if you could get, you know, the SEC, um, and you don't have to have the whole conference. We've got five schools from the Cascades, five schools from the GLAC playing against each other at Olivet College. And I think if, if other conferences were to pick up on this idea, it, it would be pretty cool. Um, but anyways, the uh, I, I'm not picking just the event. The one game I did want to feature, I think the marquee game um, is Hanover Horton against Olivet. Um, again, we're getting way, way too Olivet heavy today, but that's all right. We'll, we'll live with it. Um <laughs> the 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 interest here uh coach birch's second game um uh, earlier in the week he he, he gets his first uh his first bo- uh, action as the boys coach at hanover against onstead and then he'll follow up um by uh playing olivet in the last game of the night in this event i think this should be a really interesting matchup um you know as we've talked about previously hanover um, doesn't have a lot of experience back, but they do return a very, very good player in Carson Sanders. Um, uh, outside of that, they don't have many guys who have had uh, meaningful varsity minutes. Um, on top of that, it's, it's a question of what are they going to do um, system-wise. You know, uh, Coach Mortimer had had a, a set style. Um, their their five-out screening action and the the way that they could just flow through things and um, 
and, and really find driving lanes to attack you was tough. And their man-to-man pressure defense um, it has, has always been difficult to handle um, over his career, at least later in his career. That's when I started to, to pay more attention to, to Hanover. Um, and will, will that continue or will they have a different feel and look to them as interesting? Um, you know, a couple of guys, the other, the other key guy I'm curious of seeing more than anything would be um, – uh, Logan Blackledge, the the sophomore guard, who I expect to have a really big year this year um, for for Hanover. I think he's a key piece in this game. Um, obviously, Olivet's got got a a couple of very good guards in their own right. Um, and Bo Lincoln, in particular, I think he's dealing with a little bit of an injury, so hopefully he's healthy and good to go um, by Saturday. But him versus Blackledge should be a, a good matchup at the point guard spot. Um, and then uh, with with inside, I I do think that Olivet may have a little bit of trouble garden Sanders. Um, he's a unique uh, player who, who probably will be their, 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 their biggest guy on the floor a lot of times. Um, so again, who, who will be able to match up there? I think Olivet will, will be okay, whether it's Blake Lincoln or um, uh, Braden Wine. Um, I think that they'll be able to, 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 to find somebody to throw at him, but um, it'll obviously have to be a team effort. I think it should be a close game and, and I'm interested to see what the result is. Yeah, we are we are excited about this game. Uh, we, we tried to upgrade our schedule a little bit this year, either through the regular season or through our exhibition games. Fortunately, our two exhibition opponents were both uh, very solid, very competitive, very physical, uh, which um, is, is, you just kind of described Hanover Horton basketball for the last you know 10 to 15 years. So um, we're hoping that those two games uh, get us ready for that. But yeah, that's going to be exciting. Again, the college venue and, and the and all of that, the, the deeper three-point arc and, and just all the little things that go with it, everything but the shot clock. The shot clock comes later in the month. But, um, yeah, we have a lot of respect for them, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to the competition for sure. So my, uh, my game that I want to talk about uh, is the uh, Pioneer at Dexter game on Friday, December 10. Uh, this will be, um, uh, you know, kind of the, the league opener, right? The SEC Red opening uh, that early the first Friday. But um, I just th- – these two teams, um, again, we talk about the good teams usually get off to a good start and they, they put thumpings on people early in the year and they kind of establish themselves. I'm wondering if one of these two teams has the ability to do that because one of these two teams I think is going to be a factor in the league race. I'm just not sure which one. And I, I don't even think I went out on a limb when we were – picking favorites in the SEC red, but I could see the winner of this game actually getting off to a good start and being a contender in this conference. Um, and I, the matchups, the matchups unique. I think for Dexter, um, you've got, you got a couple things. I mean, they, they rely on a, on a pesky defense um, where they, they get out and defend people uh, with, you know, with, with Babinaw and Rickner, they've got, they've got size with Paracheck and Haroldson where they can get on the glass and they like to rebound and run when they get the opportunity or whether they get a deflection or a knock away and try to get some easy ones. So it's going to be, you know, can they do that against Pioneer, which, which, you know, um, and we've talked a little bit about Pioneer's personnel already. It's going to be interesting to see what type of offense the system uh, Pioneer even runs this year. Are they, or is he, is he, going with the, uh, the Princeton chin stuff that they they've run in the past as he has some new stuff. Um, he's got a, maybe a different lineup this year. Um, he's got incredible depth in terms of maybe nine or 10 players are going to, um, figure into that rotation. So I think those are all, uh, interesting pieces. I'm also curious how Dexter is going to use Haroldson. I mean, he, he was a good player last year, but you know, with Colin Paracheck being there, he didn't always have the main role that he's going to have a, a role where, you know, we need a bucket. Uh, whether it's a, a wide open three on the perimeter or something else. 
And uh, he might be the guy they end up going to in those situations. Um, they have a great point guard, obviously, in Babinaw, uh, who, who can get the ball to somebody in the right spot. So I'm kind of curious if they're going to use him any differently than they have. I'm sure they will. Um, Pioneer is going to have to do something with, with, with Cal Bavanaugh. They're going to have to keep him in front of him and not, not let him get into a situation where he's drawing multiple defenders and because Bab will find guys on the perimeter for open shots and things like that. So uh, he's great in the ball screens. So how Pioneer, are they going to, are they going to defend it a certain way that disrupted? Are they going to have multiple ways to do it? But I think that's going to be the little chess match that's going on um, uh, during the game. But, Pioneer just trying to execute their offense again against the pressure that Rickner and Babner are going to put on them and, and, and the size they have behind them, um, I think might be the key. Um, what's that rotation going to look like for Pioneer too? That, that's on my mind. Um, we know Elijah Klein is, is probably their go-to guy, but um, who else is going to kind of figure in as maybe the next guy up or the next, you know, you usually need a couple guys, two or three guys in double figures each night. I wonder what that's going to look like, but that, that's an intriguing game. That's one I'd really like to see if I had an opportunity to do it. Yeah, I think that should be a great early season game. I and I, I can't believe they're playing this early in the year, but yeah, that, that should be a great game. And uh, you know, it's a big year for Dexter. I think I, I think people people underestimate how good that backcourt's going to be. I mean, with Babinaw and, and Rickner's gotten now several college offers. Yeah, he actually has more offers than Cal does right now. And then, like I said, Harrelson's the real deal. He he could be as good as any player in the league. Uh, this year so that backcourt's great um, I have no idea what to expect out of Parachek uh, he hasn't played enough basketball for us to really know um, except that I know he's going to be a load I mean he's I mean, a big boy man but but who knows what he's going to do so but uh, it, but I but I also don't know much about Pioneer I just know they're deep they're going to throw waves of athletes at you and I know that Rich in the past has played a really aggressive man-to-man deep I wonder how deep Dexter will go with this being you know, early in the year. They don't have a lot, you know, we, we talked about how they really kind of have an established main group, but the, the guys coming up, I'm curious how, how much, you know, you obviously want to get those guys in and get them acclimated, but it's tough when you got this type of a matchup right off the bat to do that. Yeah. Well, and they'll be well-prepared. Coach Russian does a great job. Getting the guys ready. And I, yeah. But I'll tell you, Dexter's going to defend like crazy. That, that's another thing all Russians teams do. Um, I think, I mean, it is the, the big question, the over-under this year on how many techs Rushton gets. What do we think, two or three on the season? Is he a big tech guy? I, I haven't I, seen I, him get I a team. I didn't know he was a big tech guy he either. Was, he was at the Chelsea scrimmage. I don't know. I saw a different side of him the other day. Uh, you know, when you go into Chelsea and you don't play well sometimes, and I don't, I don't even know that they didn't play well. It just kind of brings the, they the well. worst out yeah, of you. Brings yeah. the worst out of you. But, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, that, that is funny. Now, Dexter has a uh, – Really tough matchup on Tuesday in preparation for this. I, I think they open again with Warren De La Salle probably going to De La Salle. And that was that game where they, I don't even think they scored 20 points last year. And uh, it, it, that game might not get them ready to play Pioneer, but just the, the comp, because I think, you know, De La Salle has that, if I recall, they were in some kind of half court trapping or three-quarter court trapping defense that just disrupted the crap out of them last year. But um, they're going to have to survive that one. But uh, that, that's well, a tough opener. Yeah, if you have the personnel, um, that's the way to play Dexter because Cal has to give the ball up. I mean, like, if you think about it, like, that, that's a really smart way to play them. I mean, he, now he's not going to turn it over, but he's got to give it to somebody else, and it takes right. the ball out of his hands. Yep. For sure. So, well, hey, there we go. Uh, week one of the girls is, uh, is over. Uh, week two coming up, and week one of the boys, we're all excited about that. I wish uh, both of you guys well. We've already had to move our Tuesday game to Wednesday because of a COVID situation at our opponent's school. So it's just one of those, it's going to, I know it's going to be that way. Um, 
uh, Josh, I know you guys are, you have an opponent that's dealing with a little bit of a situation. Um, I just, hopefully everybody can just stay flexible and not panic. And I think they're going to be, I wish there was a website that just, where you could just go out and uh, post your games. <laughs> we're, we're looking for, because it's, it's like going to be ones where you come in in the morning and like last year, where you find out maybe the morning of a game where you're not going to be able to play all of a sudden. And then you're scrambling that night. You've got referees. And I mean, I, I was getting 10 emails a day last year about that. And I'm sure we're going to get them again. But um, talk about not being ready for an opponent. But, you know, you, you'd rather play than, than, than not, not play that day. So anyway, good luck to you both. And we will see everyone next time.